Another Way to Play, episode 83. Find what you're good at and focus on it. So that way you could build a system, hone in on it, make as much money as you can to fund the things that you really want to do and what your real purpose is in life. This is David Richter, founder and owner of Simple CFO Solutions. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is David Richter. He is the founder and CEO of Simple CFO Solutions, and man, does he bring the heat today. Most of the time when someone starts talking about taxes and CPAs and CFOs and all that stuff, they think numbers and spreadsheets and that's it. It's for someone else to deal with, not in this case. He actually started out as a real estate investor, still invests on the side himself, um, but worked for a wholesaling and flipping company, which if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a way to invest in real estate that is very transactional as opposed to a buy and hold engagement. But basically, he worked for a couple of pretty big time investors through a couple different markets and recognized that there was an opportunity to help them better understand the financial ramifications and decisions they could make. So he basically went out on his own, started this business, and is basically a CFO for hire now. And he specializes towards real estate investors and helps empower them to make good financial decisions in their business. And in this one, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of thoughts around general entrepreneurship, going out on your own and starting your own company. And uh, we get into a couple of different things that I think are really, really valuable. The first one is how he got his first opportunity with one of those real estate companies. He basically came in and worked for free for nearly seven months and uh, just tried to add value and learn as much as he could. He wanted to get into the business, you know, learn about it and didn't come in with his handout. And And we get into a very interesting conversation about that. David also has a really great take on the passion conversation. I know I bring that up in a bunch of different episodes, but I thought it was especially interesting in this one because like I said at the outset, A lot of people think about spreadsheets and numbers as something that's really hard to get passionate about, and he definitely brings some good information and some good thoughts to consider on that one. He's written a book. He's got a great set of content on his website. You're going to want to hit him up, so go down into the show notes down there. I've also got my information so you can get on my Calendly link. We can get connected and get to know one another personally, and you know, Of course, if you're getting value out of this, I'd really appreciate you uh, going over to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. Really helps me gain a lot of clarity as well as grow the podcast and grow the listenership. So thank you in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's bring in David Richter. David, thank you so much for being on the show. Pretty excited to have you on today. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Right on. Well, we've heard a bit about you in the intro. Before we get into that stuff, why don't you back it up and build a little bit of context for us and tell us where your journey really began? Sure. So I really began in college. Someone handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as Mm -hmm. many investors got their start with that book. And that really opened my mind and my eyes to a different way of thinking. And it really did. And I was currently at a job where it was like a factory job. I was a machinist in a warehouse making sections of railroad track that turned. And I was like, there's something else that I need to be doing. So I actually, from there, hooked up with a company that I knew in the local area that was like a real estate investment company. And they were doing a bunch of different types of deals like wholesaling and fix and flipping, things like that. And that's how I really got my start into the real estate world. At that time too, I read a bunch of books after Rich Dad Poor Dad. I did my first deal before I joined up with that company where I bought the house and I lived in it actually for two years and then rented it out after those two years with a super tenant because I did a lease option with him and he paid early and six months later he cashed me out. So my very first deal that I did was a home run for me. So I was like, I got to keep doing this. So that's when I got involved with the company too and got to see a lot more and built a little portfolio of properties that I had. And then I was working, doing a lot of deals in the real estate investment world between fix and flipping, turnkey, lease options, rent to own, doing a whole lot of different things with that company. That's really how I got started in real estate. And the biggest catalyst would have probably been Rich Dad Poor Dad. That kind of really changed my mentality from got to have a job, got to do the nine to five to working for yourself. And not only that, but influencing and being able to provide for yourself above and beyond what a job could. That's really cool. I mean, that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, that I I think many of us, I certainly started with it because I had heard of it, but I had never read it. So when I did, it really sort of simplified a lot of things. And I think a lot of real estate investors, but generally I think a lot of business people start with a book like that or have read it at some point and get them kind of teed up. And it sounds like for you, that first piece of education was your catalyst into your first real estate deal, which was, for those of you who didn't understand everything that he just said, basically you bought a house, you lived in it for two years, you fixed it up while you were living there, and then you sold it. But what you sold it on was a lease option, which effectively someone paid you some amount of money down that was non-refundable they took over the title as well as living in the house and then just paid you a monthly payment, like a rent, but it was effectively a mortgage. And then that person, it sounds like cashed you out pretty quickly. And then you you had the windfall of cash at the end. Yep. That's how it happened. And the two years is important too, because I didn't pay any capital gains tax because I lived in the property for the two years. So it was, it was the perfect setup because I didn't know if this guy would cash me out. And I was working with a company that did a lot of rent to owns. And Mm -hmm. up to that point, only two had ever cashed out out of like the 80 that we had. So I was very blessed to have that first one really when I, even before I had started with that company actually cashed me out. So it was a, it was a really good deal. I mean, it's hard to beat something like that, certainly. And depending on what part of the country you're from, those sorts of options are more and more prevalent, but generally as the market is high, you see less of it. And then when the market is down or in a, in a valley, you will probably see more of those sorts of creative solutions, but they exist regardless of the market is just in what quantity often. Yep, for sure. 
So you did that first deal, then you found this company to work for in the fix and flip world. I would argue that most people would say it's pretty rare to work for a company that does fix and flips. Like most people know of an investor or heard of someone who's flipped a house or does this, you know, maybe somewhat regularly, but you worked for a full-fledged company. What did that look like and how did that sort of set you up for the next chapter? So that company, when I first was there, had about five to seven employees and we were all working out of this house that was like zoned commercially. So there was like people in closets working. It was, it was what you think of when you think of like someone starting in their garage or in their basement. We were all working out of this, just a little blue house, you know, on a main road. And honestly, I worked there for five years. And at the end of five years, we had 27 employees in like an actual commercial space. So it went from small where we were doing, we were doing a lot of wholesale deals too up front. So we were wholesaling mm-hmm. a lot and then we would fix and flip some. And then we got into holding a bunch of rentals where we had at one point about a hundred doors that we owned ourselves. So we had project management going, property management going. And that company really helped me in the real estate world because I got to sit in every seat. I got to acquire properties, sell the properties. I was property management, project management, the accounting side, transaction coordination. So I got to see really how the deal evolves from the beginning all the way to the end and see that whole process. So that really helped me in knowing what it really takes to run a business and to grow a business and some things to do, some things not to do, how you really need the systems and processes in place to grow and to scale and that you need to make sure that you have the eye on your budgets and making sure that you're always producing, you know, more than you're sending out the door. So it's really, there was a lot of key things that I found while I was working up there that really helped me just know more about lots of different types of exit strategies, but also help me in knowing just how to run a business too. How did you find your way into that little blue house with those, with those four, right. or excuse me, those uh, six other people? Right. So there was a guy that I knew that was in the real estate world. My dad had actually worked for him before. And then I started telling my dad, like, hey, I, you know, I'm looking to get with a real estate company. And he said, you should go talk to this guy. And so we started meeting. And honestly, it was probably seven months before I quit my job to come work for him that I would go in on weekends and do some things for him, you know, and kind of just get to know the business a little bit before I actually started full time. So that was really, I got some training up front, but then I was also doing some things for him basically for free to kind of learn the business. And then eventually he just said, Hey, why don't you come on full time? I think you can, you know, help us here. And then I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And then got started there in about 2013 or 14. So that's when I started working with them. And that's how I got started really in the real estate world, working in it full time. It's interesting that you said for free in the beginning, because I think a lot of people want to enter a relationship with their handout. I mean, I'm in the real estate world. You've been in and probably to some degree still are very heavily in the real estate world. But a lot of people want that quick fix. They want to get in. They want to start making money tomorrow or today, ideally. Um, But there's less of a a servant attitude and a less of like a, a sponge mentality, I think, with a lot of people out there we go on YouTube or Instagram now and you see, you know, flip your first house in 30 days or wholesale something in 10 seconds or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you went into it 
I'm assuming it's sort of a mentee sponge, like, let me see if I can learn as much as possible. Can you describe for us more fully your mentality entering in that relationship, how you approached it, how you offered your time or like just how that looked and then how you eventually got offered that full-time position? Yeah, at the beginning, it was me going in there and saying, I have an interest. You know, I've been reading a lot of books and I'm tired of reading and I want to actually do something. And so I just asked him, is there anything I could do or anything that I could do to help you now? And he said, yeah, why don't you come in several Saturdays? Because I was in college at the time. So sometimes in between like work and college, I would go in sometimes and help him. But And then it was Saturdays and I said, yeah, I would like to do whatever just to kind of learn what you're doing. So I did that for months and went in and met several times, you know, over those Saturdays and learned a lot. And it was really saying, hey, what can I do to help you? And at the same time, just to learn, because at that time I had my full time job. So it's not like I needed that money. If there was money to be had from the real estate right then, it was more like, what can I do to help you and learn at the same time? So it wasn't just like you said, because I think a lot of people say, hey, let's grab a bite to eat and then I'll treat you to a $10 meal. And Mm -hmm. why don't you just pour out your knowledge of information (laughs) Mm -hmm. all over my desk? And even if they're saying like, yeah, I'll buy a meal, but it's like, okay, what is it at the end of the day that you want? So I think doing that at the beginning helped me springboard into the real estate world and be more successful than saying, hey, can you just help me? Or like, hey, I'm looking to do this deal. Can you help me? And it was Mm -hmm. more what can I do for you? Even like I said, working for free for a while, helping him with some of that stuff and then jumping into it months later once he offered that position. Did you go into that relationship expecting to get a job? I was expecting more knowledge, I guess, than a job, maybe up front. But then it kind of progressed into like, I think I know where this is going. You know, like Mm -hmm. he needed some help. So it was like very quickly apparent to me that I was probably going to be coming on there and quitting my job. That was kind of like what we were working towards after the first two sessions was basically, hey, help me out here. And then maybe in the future, you know, when we can support it full time, you can come on board. So after the first couple of sessions, we kind of knew it was leaning that way. It was still a great learning opportunity up until that point, too. And what I love what you just said the last couple of times is you really went into it trying to learn and trying to get to know the business and the industry and the do's and don'ts and the best practices and what have you. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but probably so that you could decide if this was something you wanted to do long term, but also probably for your own knowledge of business, but also real estate and coming at it with a student's mind and just trying to learn as much as you could, as well as, you know, focus on trying to help somebody, frankly, and it sounds like you had a personal connection. So there's, there's that, but entering that relationship with um, not your handout, but like being willing to pick up a hammer and a tool belt or a broom or just paper, help Mm -hmm. paperwork and just do what needs to be done in order to provide value, frankly. Yep. That's at the end of the day. And I love that you said that providing value. That's what we're here to do. We're here to provide value for other people and like, okay, you reap what you sow. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is just a law of nature and Mm -hmm. that is just something that's always going to happen. So if you're always looking for that handout, that's not going to come back to you in any way. Other people are going to come to you looking for handouts. So Mm -hmm. you need to be saying, what can I do to add value to other people without any thinking there's going to be any recourse of them helping you out or whatnot. And you just say, Hey, what can I do to help you? Someone who's established and successful and someone where you want to be. And that certainly played 
a big part of my whole life. It's seeing where that next person is, where I want to be and modeling that and saying, how can I help you? And then Mm -hmm. really going after that and making sure that you actually provide value too. If it's not working, it's okay to say, hey, maybe it's not working out or whatnot. And if you can't provide the value to back off and just say, okay, maybe this isn't, but we're somewhere else that I can provide value. So you're an early employee in this quote unquote startup. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were kind of rolling at that time, but it scaled pretty substantially there. And you were in a business basically, although you probably were pretty high up at that point, you know, you'd kind of worked your way into it. When did you know that it was time to kind of start your own thing or was that just a very natural progression or was there a moment for that? Well, when I started my own thing, because most people are in the real estate world and then they go out and start a real estate business, you know, they're buying the houses themselves and whatnot. Mine was a pretty different progression because from that company, about a year and a half ago, I moved across the country and worked with another investor just because it's closer to family and whatnot. So I moved about a year and a half ago and was working with another one. And with the different companies I've been a part of now in the real estate world and being a part of a lot of different deals, I saw that one of the things that I can provide value is showing investors where they actually stand on their numbers as far as like what they've made, the projections that they need to do and how they can actually make business decisions from that. And so that's just something if you've ever talked with an investor, they probably are just like, okay, the finance, the financial part, I have a CPA for that or I don't care. I just need to do another deal. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that are in the investing world where they don't have that second thought about it, but there's real power in that. So I saw that need. I started my own business, but it's more on helping investors on the financial side of their business. And so it was kind of a natural progression, but not, not the same one that even a lot of people follow that might be working with the company that go out into the real estate world, you know, and start buying the houses themselves because I'll still buy houses on the side myself, but that's not my, my full-time what I'm helping people now is more on the financial side of their business and really helping them get the numbers that they really need. So it was kind of a natural progression, but it was more natural in the sense that I saw the, a huge need in the real estate investing world and tried to fill that need specifically because I've been to a lot of those different masterminds and events and, and have seen that so prevalent across the investors. What you're talking about It just struck me as you were talking, whether you follow Grant Cardone or you like him or don't like him, there was something that I remember he said, gosh, when I first started following him, probably in 2014, about, you know, multiple drips of income and starting to open them up, whether it's, you know, a new business or a side hustle or an investment or whatever. His whole point was invest in what you know, like maximize the the opportunity you're on. He's talking to salespeople generally, you know, Mm -hmm. make as much money, be the top guy at your office that you can possibly be before you go do a side hustle and then maybe do something that's very parallel on the next one. And then really parallel to that on the third one. And I'm struck by the fact that that's kind of what you did you saw a need that's very aligned with what you knew already. And you just took like a sidestep over here and you already knew how to speak the language. You knew the people, you knew the players and you could articulate their problem to them. And they're like, yeah, I totally need that. And it was probably mm-hmm. a pretty easy sell from there. Exactly. Cause the services I offer are like a CFO type service where I'm helping investors really dive into their books and I'm spending a lot of time with them. And it has been a very 
a very easy way to explain that value too, because it's so needed and so prevalent in that industry also, that it's very easy to say, hey, at the end of the day, you're going to know where you stand, but not only that, you're going to be able to make faster, better decisions that should net you a better bottom line, where a lot of people also, like you said, they might not speak the language, they have a CPA or they have someone like that, because I'm not a CPA, I'm not a certified public accountant, I'm not a uh, accountant or anything like that. I'm literally just someone who knows the investing world and knows how to speak that language to the investing world and the CPA's language and the bookkeeper type language and be able to translate that and say, this is what they're really saying and this is what it means for your business. And because I've been a part of so many different types of deals, I can work on strategy and different things like that and making sure like, hey, you might be doing a ton of deals, but you're losing a bunch of money. So that's mm -hmm. where it comes into where a lot of people think they're doing so much and then being able to actually interpret that for them too. I would say being in that position, it's been a very unique position, but it's been very where I can see that there's been a lot of value added too. Always trying to add that value. So you're working with that second investor after your move, and that was a year and a half ago. When mm -hmm. did you officially start going out on your own or are you still working with that original investor? He is now a client of my full-time business. So I'm not working for him or anything anymore. Well, I mean, every client you're working for, but right. for as far as W2 or whatnot, as of August of last year, that's when I exited being a W2 employee and really jumping into my business full-time. That's awesome. Let's unpack that moment because the W-2 thing is a pretty big change, especially if you've been used to, you know, consistent paychecks every two weeks, you know, you get your withholdings, you, you maybe have a 401k, maybe you don't, maybe you have some insurance or whatever mm -hmm. to like, yeah, no, you're, you're doing that yourself if you're going to be able to figure it out at all. Can you describe that jump that you took sort of walk us through the insecurities, the frustrations, some of the um, worries, and then ultimately how you kind of got through to the point you're at now? Sure. I'll just say right now, even if you own a big business, I think you're always a little bit like, yeah, you know, like, am I really doing this? So it's not like you ever reach that point. It's like, oh yeah, we've made it. But as far well as said. that, as far as the exact moment, uh, I'm an avid reader. And so I had been reading up until that point, just a lot about business books in general. So not just real estate, but like building a business and what it would really take. And I had read a line of books from Dan Kennedy, his No BS series that I really enjoyed. And it was more about business success, how you actually set things up. And it really aligned with what I was thinking about starting. And so I just, I told the guy that I'm working with, Hey, I'm thinking of starting this thing. And he was behind it too. He said, I think you could provide a lot of value there. I would hate for you to not like work with us anymore. He's like, so I'd still like to work with you somehow. And that's why he's still a client. And so he said, you know, that's a good idea. Then I started calling other investors and other people that were close to me that were kind of the influencers in some of the investing world and just saying, Hey, I've got this idea. What do you think about it? Do you think that this would provide value? And do you think that this would be something that's sustainable? And the people that were in the investing world are like, yes, I think that would be a huge value add. And I think that it could be something that you could really dive into. So I would say, first of all, you need to do research to see if number one, if you're going to actually be able to have the people and add the value to the people that you're thinking of going after as far as like 
actually adding value to them, like the people that might be your clients, researching it if they actually need your services, and then also seeing if there's other people like, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Some of the people in your industry, even if you don't know them, just maybe posting on a forum or whatever, just saying, hey, this is an idea that I have. Do you think that this would be a good idea? But I had some personal connections just from over the years, being in the real estate investing world for the past six years, if you don't have a network, then you're doing something wrong, I think. Because mm-hmm. I mean, real estate is all about relationships. Yep. So I was able to reach out to my network and kind of say, hey, I've got this that I'm starting. Do you think that it would add value to people? And then I had, I talked with CPAs, I talked with some of the influencers too, and that really helped. And then I also right away said, hey, if I'm going to start this, would you mind if I came and spoke at some of your events? This is my material. Do you think that this would be something that would be beneficial and value adding, even if I didn't get a client or like wasn't able to, you know, sell there? Do you think it would be something beneficial for them? And I would send them my material and they were like, yeah, this is really good. And no one's really talking about this. So I was able to kind of get in the door that way. I also wrote a book too that really explains a lot of the nitty gritty of what I do and kind of the mindset and gives a lot of just how you can think about the number side of things and how it actually translates into more profit into your, into your pocket if you can really understand that. So that was another thing too. And it was something that I kind of launched into right at the beginning, making sure that I could provide value. It's all like, like we keep talking about, it's providing value. So this book is like 10 bucks on Amazon. So it's like not very expensive. And it's something that anyone could really go through this. And if they really dove into this, they could probably set up a lot of what I teach. So I wanted to be able to give people that value add. So it was all about first step was really saying, can I do this internally? Saying, yes, I think this is something I could do and having Mm -hmm. the knowledge to get there. Second of all, in the group, do the people that I want to serve need what I'm offering? And then are there other people that believe in me that could say, hey, you know, yes, let's dive into that. And I've got some connections that I can make right away. And then also going into it and saying, okay, now that I've actually worked with some people, is this actually something that's providing value? So it's kind of like testing it at each stage and you're kind of doing your research at each stage of that. And then up till now, we've seen how it has radically changed some investors' businesses just by having that power in their hand of like what their story is and like what their numbers truly are. Really well said. I read something about a week ago from another agent who I have tremendous respect for. She was interviewed and I read it. I read the transcript of it. And she said, the only people who get an opinion about my business are my past clients, my current clients and my future clients. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what anybody else thinks or says because they're yep. not paying me. Right. And yeah. ever since she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so right. <laughs> and that's kind of what you just described is like you went to the people who are going to pay you or going to hire you or at least going to like send you some referrals or something yep. and asked their opinion. I mean, go to your clients and ask their opinion. Like chances are they'll probably tell you, you know, whether it's a good idea and if they will actually open their pocketbook and actually pay mm-hmm. you because that's, those are two very different things. Very different things. That is the truth. So when you actually pulled that trigger, you did some of that research, then you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this. How have you sort of gone into business for yourself and had it transformed just in the last handful of months from the moment you started and you sort of were hypothesizing and doing this research to boots on the ground practicing? Like how was that jump and what was the difference from what you expected? 
Thankfully, since I was a part of these businesses, I got to see some growth and what it took to manage some systems and processes. So right away, like when I first started, I started setting up like a CRM. I started setting up some of the things that I knew how to do that I knew that as a business, I need to automate as much as I can of these small dollar tasks. So that way I could really provide that higher value to the client. So it was like, how do I get as much as this menial stuff off my plate as possible. So it was getting that off of my plate. And I was able to do that pretty quickly with some of the systems that I'm using and whatnot. And I used virtual assistants too, which are a huge help. So there's some stuff where, you know, I say, here, can you help me with this? And then they take care of it. That helped me right up front. And then another thing that really helped me jump into it was like really having that mindset of, okay, what am I going to do at each stage, you know, and, and thinking about growth kind of ahead of time too. And so right now I'm still in the early stages of it. Honestly, it's been going really well and I've seen that it has provided the value and what it's, what that's done is say, okay, really taking the smaller dollar tasks off my plate is what helps me get that real value to the investors upfront. So I would say if you're going to start a business, even if it's a real estate business buying properties, what can you get off of your plate as fast as possible? That's not putting the dollars in your pocket. If you're doing paperwork or whatever it is that's taking you away or just updating your management system, if it's taking you away from getting a deal or from actually providing value in some way, then you need to get that off your plate. And that was one of the biggest things that I would say upfront that I had a good grasp on. And I would highly recommend people read Traction, the book Traction by Gina Mm -hmm. Wickman. It talks about the entrepreneurial operating system. So I run meetings like that, even with my smaller team that I have now. We have a daily huddle every single day, go over the clients. It's about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the day. And then we have a once a week meeting too, that we go over what's called a level 10 meeting, going over kind of the, if there's any issues that came up that week, anything that we need to get out on the table, you know, if there's anything that we could do to move people forward. So that's really, I tried structuring that from the very beginning from like day one. So that way I could consistently grow and kind of have that management system in place. That's really all very fantastic advice. That book Traction, talk about a book that sort of opens your eyes and defines things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like just puts titles on things and describes things so simply, as well as gives you those action steps around things you can do and implement in your business, even if you're an army of one, but you're hoping to scale. Great advice. What's the name of the book? Oh, my book, uh, Less Stress, More Profit for the serious real estate investor. If you just type in Less Stress, More Profit on Amazon, you can also go to my website too. uh, And it's simplecfosolutions.com. There's a tab on there, Recession Proof Business, where it has the link to Amazon. Also on Amazon, it's got the ebook and audiobook too, because I'm a real estate investor too. There's no way that I want to sit down and read a book sometimes. We're just too busy. So that's why I had it recorded on audiobook too. And it's just about an hour long and the read of it is about an hour too. So it's a very short book to the point. There's not a lot of fluff in there. So it's if you just if you pick that up, I'm hoping that it at least helps you because if you take some of these practices, you can automate some of your current financial processes and some of the mindset behind what knowing your numbers will really do for your business. That's awesome. And well, I just sent it over to my Kindle and I'm definitely going to get the audio book as well. Cause I drive around like awesome. <laughs> all the time as, as yep. I'm sure you do as well. I've got a few plane flights coming up as well. I ask this question a lot. And so I want to, I want to ask you too. And a lot of people want to get into real estate because it's 
exciting. There's houses, you control your own schedule. You can make a bunch of money, you know, your rental, you, you have flips, you have wholesales, you have all these ways you can be an agent and everyone's really excited about it. And you were in it and then you got out of it to do numbers basically. And I'd say that as like somebody who admittedly like struggle, like I, I can spreadsheet and I like spreadsheets, but I also struggle to like maintain them in my own business. And I imagine most people are that way, but like the passion thing is where I'm going with this. A lot of people have this idea of passion, follow your passion, the money will come, like do something you're passionate about. Did you find out that you were just passionate about numbers and helping people grow their business through them? Or is this something that you saw a need in the marketplace and a way to fill it? It's a way to kind of design the life that you want. Yeah. I think that when people say follow your passion or do what you love, what if you're doing what you love? I love watching movies, okay? But no one's going to pay me to do that unless I go into the entertainment world. So what I love doing is spending time with my family and being a part of, you know, other things like that and giving. I love helping business owners too, you know, succeed. But I would say that usually for the most part, follow your passion is a load of crock. You know, it's like you need to be passionate about what you're doing, but it, it also needs to fuel the why you're actually doing it. Cause I even think most people get into business because they want to make money. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why do you have a for-profit business? It's obviously not to run a charity. If you're a, it's right. a for-profit business, it's not a nonprofit. So you're getting yeah. into it for the money anyway, but you have to have a bigger reason behind it in order to get through the times when it's difficult, because even if you follow your passion, you're going to have to do stuff that you hate. That some days it sucks to get up because you know you're going to have to do this meeting or you're going to have to set up this process or you're going to have to meet with this person and you don't want to meet with that person, even though you're good at it and you might like some of that stuff. There's going to be things just as an adult that you have to do that you don't like. But like you said, I love the way that you put it. It's kind of giving you the blueprint, you know, or whatnot to get on with the, the rest of your life almost of like how to do the things that really matter to you. Because I wasn't just put on earth just to help real estate investors with their numbers. I was also put on earth, I believe, to help right now our company support several missionaries on the mission field. So that's like something that's near and dear to my heart. And other people have different whys and everyone has different things mm-hmm. that they go into business for, but it has to be something bigger for that. So that way you're not just sitting there, okay, you know, today's a hard day. I think I might shut it down tomorrow. And when it gets tough, like you said, going from W2 to like actually where you might not be able to know every single month what you're going to be making. It's those months that are really tough. You're going to see, did you get into it just because you wanted to make money or is there a bigger reason behind it? I'd also say too, that once people might follow their passion or might not, but they need to find what you're good at and focus on it. So that way you could build a system, hone in on it, make as much money as you can to fund the things that you really want to do and what your real purpose is in life. And whatever that purpose may be, it might be something deeply, you know, deep that you have, or it might be just, Hey, I want to take more vacations with my family and be the best dad or husband or whatever it might be possible. So whatever Mm -hmm. it is for you, I really like how you would put that where it's kind of like, it is a means to an end, but it's also, I do like doing it and I like being a part of it. The best things that I like about this is number one, I do like when we actually help change someone's life in the real estate investing world. It is Mm -hmm. cool to have that. So that's a cool byproduct, but then it's also cool to say, Hey, I'm providing value here. And that value now that profit, because I teach this a lot too. Your profit really unlocks your why. 
it really unlocks what you want to do. And, and whether that be you go out there and build another business because you love building businesses or whether you like just sitting on the beach, sipping margaritas or whatever. So mm -hmm. it's like whatever you're wanting to do in life, if you focus on it, you put in the work, you put in that work up front, you work at it diligently, then you'll see that either your passion becomes a byproduct of that work or you get to actually fund what your passion is. So it's really having that deep why behind it and saying like, here, here's why I'm really doing it. And if you're good at it, that's the other key part too, is most people say, well, I have a passion for this or like, this is what I'm doing right now. And they might not be good at what they're doing. They might not be able to provide enough value. And like, maybe that might be negotiating a contract because you're a wholesaler and you're not that good at doing that right now. Maybe you need training or whatnot, but if you're passionate about something, then yes. And you can put your work and everything behind it, then yes, of course, why not do that if you're passionate about it and it's something that people actually need. But if it's something people don't need or not going to pay you for, then I don't know. If, unless you just want to keep in that rat race, only now you're not W2, now you're a, a business owner that just keeps going around in circles. You got to really think about that too, because a lot of people think going from W2 to business owner, well, I'm out of the rat race now. No, you're out of the rat race when you say, I provided so much value that I really don't have to work another day in my life, basically, because I provided that value. And now that the value is reaping those benefits. That was kind of a long winded answer to your question, but hopefully that answered it. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you were killing it right there. So I just wanted to let you go. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to respect the rest of your time, guys. If you yeah. uh, missed any of that, rewind it because there was some awesome gold in there. In the interest of time, and, and I know you're a busy guy, so I want to respect it. I want to transition us to the focus five. Same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question, other than your own, what book have you gifted most often? I would say, well, and besides Rich Dad Poor Dad, but the other one that I've read probably most recently that I'm telling a lot of people about is The Millionaire Fast Lane, which oh, dude. might say, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is a great one about just building a business. If you want to build a business, that's where I get the, the mindset of the need, you know, where he goes over the five commandments of building a business. So if you have not read The Millionaire Fast Lane and you're in the entrepreneurial world, you really need to read that. He's got a follow-up book. MJ DeMarco is the mm -hmm. author. Mm -hmm. And if he, he's got a follow-up book called Unscripted. So I would highly recommend starting with Millionaire Fastlane and then reading that other one. But that would be one that probably I've mentioned to more people recently. I am um, reading that right now. I'm almost done with it. And it's awesome. My wife and I are actually both reading it. Awesome. Great. I didn't know about the follow-up. So thank you for that. I'm definitely going to make sure that gets into the queue here. Next question. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? This is going to sound strange, but I've actually thought about this question since I saw what the five questions were. And I would actually say Mr. Rogers. Fred huh. Rogers, because there's been a bunch of documentaries, a bunch of books on him. I've been reading about his life for a while now. And I don't know if there's someone that fulfilled his purpose of what he was really trying to do and was as happy and just provided happiness to other people. Because at the end of the day, who cares if you built a big business? Who cares if you made more money than Bill Gates and everyone, you know, all the, the billionaires of today's world? Who cares if you did all of that? If you don't have that happiness and the fulfilling feeling of actually providing value to other people. As I've read his life, 
just the things that he did on a daily basis and the things that he provided to others and how he impacted other people. Because if you've read some of the things, not just the children, but the adults that were impacted by him and just the different stories that have been told. And I know that's probably totally off the wall and from left field, but if there was someone that if I had an hour to go back to, I'd probably talk with him and just kind of dive more into how was he so happy and how did he really dive into what he, what his true purpose was and then stay in it for as many years as he did. Because mm-hmm. he not only did he, did he start well, like a lot of people do, but he finished well also. What was it about that for his whole life that he took from that and was able to finish happy just as he started? Dude, that's a great answer. No one's given that one. So thank you. What is one thing that you think most people would disagree with you on? What is one thing that this one was the one that kind of stumped me? Are we talking about entrepreneurs? Are we talking about the rest of the world? You know, that don't have that entrepreneurial mindset. I was actually talking with my father recently. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I just see in today's world is that just people don't take responsibility. And that's just one thing that I truly believe in deep to my core. And it's not that people don't believe that, but it's that most people don't practice that out. That if you make a mistake, own up to it. Do what you need to do to make it right. Because like we've just said on this whole thing, it's about adding value. And sometimes you have to take the L. You have to take the loss in order to make things right. And I would say that just taking responsibility, and I'm a millennial, I know uh, now that I said that, maybe all the listeners are going to drop off now, but I'm a millennial, <laughs> but I don't, I don't subscribe to the stereotypical millennial mindset of you don't take responsibility. There's a winner, you know, in every single participant, you know, you get the participation or trophy or whatnot. And I really think what it really comes down to is responsibility, taking responsibility for not only the good that you've done, but like for what you've done that has not added value to other people, the wrong that you've done too. So I just think that I had thought a lot about this and that's kind of what I wanted to to say on that question. That's a fantastic answer. How do you start your day? What's your morning routine like? My morning routine, I get up and I am a Christian. So I read the Bible and pray in the morning. And that's one of the things that helps me get grounded with a crazy day, several days a week. Also work out with my wife, do some things at home here where we have like, you know, some of those 21 day fix or whatever. We've been doing that for a while now. So in the morning, that's what I do. And then before work, I try, I have a three-year-old daughter. So right now for the past probably year or so, since she could walk year and a half, uh, I've been playing with her for about 30 minutes to an hour every morning before the day really gets started. And that just helps me as a person be happier throughout the rest of the day, trying to get those three things in before really the craziness of the workday starts. That's awesome, man. David, you've brought so much today. I really appreciate it. Where can the audience connect with you online the most? SimpleCFOSolutions.com. I also have a Facebook page too, if you want to get engaged there. SimpleCFO is the link to the Facebook page. And then if you go to SimpleCFOSolutions.com, you can see a lot about what we do and our history and the recession-proof is one of the tabs up top and that takes you to the book too if you're interested. And if you're interested in the services, there's an apply button at the top there too. So that's really how to kind of connect there. That's awesome. Well, I will link all of that down in the show notes. 
so make sure that it's easy to find. So if you do want to connect with David on any of the stuff that we just talked about, head over to the show notes. You'll find it there. The book, I just downloaded it myself. So I'm really excited to get into it because I know that I'm going to find some, some piece of value in there for sure, just based on our conversation so far. Man, David, thank you again so much for being on the show. Really excited for all your success and, and definitely to stay connected with you. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. And that does it. Uh, if you want to go connect with David, down in the show notes is the place to do that. I've got links for his uh, Facebook group, his book, and obviously his website as well. I did download it, uh, his book, and by the time this goes out, I'm sure I'll have gone through it a couple times because I'm really excited to take some better actions around the back end of my real estate business. If you're down in the show notes and you want to connect personally, my Calendly link is always there. So feel free to go take a time. Let's connect. Let's just get to know each other one-on-one. Just see if we can have a good conversation and get to know each other. It's, it's all about connections. If you are getting value out of this, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. It would mean an awful lot to me. Really would be super helpful because it helps me grow the show as well as gain some very, very important feedback from you guys. So without any further ado, I'm going to sign it off. This is, of course, Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.